Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I am your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're going to talk about nutrition for diastasis recti. I'll be honest, I didn't even know there was such a thing, nutrition to help heal diastasis recti, but it is so good to know that not only can we help heal diastasis recti through maybe working with a physical therapist, maybe it's through classes, maybe it's some sort of program, but we can also add that nutritional component so we can hit it from all angles. So to have this conversation, I reached out to Alexandra Pato. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's of science degree in nutrition education and a mother of two little ones. As a specialist in maternal nutrition, her practice Thrive and Bloom Nutrition supports women as they transition from preconception through pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. And super fun fact, she is moving into my neighborhood in a few months. She's going to be my neighbor. Anyway, it was a really great conversation. And she talked about different foods that you can eat to help build collagen, which is a huge component in creating strength back in that linea alba, that connective tissue. We talked about food for gut strength. We talked about how food nutrition plays a role in diastasis, and she gave a list of some foods we should be adding back to our diet. So it's a really full-packed, incredibly informational conversation that I think you're going to walk away feeling really empowered to take control of your nutrition to support your body as you heal from postpartum or move through pregnancy. Before we get to that conversation, I wanted to say a heartwarm thank you to all the people that have been leaving ratings and review for the podcast. It helps build our audience. It helps spread the word. And I hope that you've been enjoying listening to this podcast and it's been enriching to you. So if it has, please leave a rating and review. Again, thank you in advance for doing that. Also, just a reminder, our classes are staying online. I've been getting people asking now that we're slowly opening up our New York City studio, what are we planning to do about our classes? Nothing. We're keeping them. We've opened this door. This community has grown and it's been a true, true joy. This pandemic has been challenging, but I do see these little silver linings that many of us are able to reach each other in a way that maybe we hadn't been able to connect or even knew to connect in the past. So we're going to stay online. So check it out. We have prenatal classes every day. We've got baby and me. We've got our postnatal. We've got our workshop, our childbirth ed. We've got you covered. We're also keeping our teacher training online for the rest of 2021. We run this very in-depth 85 hours, probably more than 85 hours if we really add up the hours, prenatal yoga teacher training. And I know it can be hard sometimes to travel to New York, so you don't have to. We got you covered keeping it online. And then the last thing I want to share, if you haven't already gone to our website and downloaded the five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains, go for it. Do it. It is your cheat sheet for when you are uncomfortable. We talk about how to take care of your back neck and shoulders, hamstrings, calf cramps. I got you covered. So it is a free downloadable. Check it out on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. Okay. We're going to take a super quick break and we come back. Please enjoy my conversation with Alexandra. 
Hi, Alexandra. How are you? Hi, Jem. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to speak with you about this nutrition for diastasis recti. I honestly, until I stumbled upon your Instagram and then took a dive through your website, I didn't even know that was a thing. So this is, yeah, this I mean, is really exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into it. And then I, I'm all about kind of pulling back the curtains. So before we started recording those lovely listeners that are listening, um, Alexandra and I were talking about, she's going to move just a few blocks from my house. We're going to be neighbors. It's going to be so cool. So excited. Yeah. I was telling her that I do a lot of my morning walks, just wandering through our neighborhood. We happen to live in a beautiful neighborhood um, with a lot of old historical homes. And I do my morning walks on my my team calls. And so there's one day she very wanted me to look out her window and see me stomping on by. That would be fun. Make sure you make sure you wave if you see me. <laughs> I will. All right. So enough of me babbling. All right. So let's jump right into nutrition for diastasis recti. I guess before we get into that, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and also how you ended up focusing on nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a registered dietitian and I, you know, starting out in my studies um, in nutrition, I have just always been drawn to the prenatal and postnatal uh, life stage just because there is so much that nutrition can influence in those, um, those time periods in our life. And so when I started out as a dietitian, I was focused mainly on the prenatal side of things. Um, I worked on the OB units and I was in hospitals as a dietitian. And then when I transitioned to my private practice, it coincided with me going through pregnancy and postpartum having my daughter. Uh, and so I realized the role that nutrition has post postpartum as well, which um, wasn't something that was really present in in my study so much. So that was more of, you know, my personal experience seeing that influence that eating um, and nutrients can have in recovery and how we feel and breastfeeding. And uh, as I worked with more women, learning more about the, the recovery physically in terms of diastasis recti and how nutrition can have an influence there. Um, so it, it's kind of a combination of where my interests lie academically and then through my life experiences, kind of bringing those two pieces together um, and really being privileged to focus on that um, pretty exclusively in my private practice. Um, so it's been, yeah, really rewarding in that respect. Yeah. And I think it's a part of the whole picture of recovery that people don't focus on. I mean, I've been in this field for, believe it or not, almost two decades. And I feel like it's just recently people start talking about collagen and food and a little bit more of a focus than I had heard for many years. And the funny thing is when I started the studio, I was like, okay, I'm going to do all these workshops, nutrition. And throughout the years, I would try and do nutrition workshops and they sounded fantastic. But when it came down to it, no one signed up for them. I'm, I was always canceling them. So what do you think the mindset around nutrition is that either people dive in or they're hesitant? That's a really great question. I think that there's two main uh, points that come to mind for that. So first, I think especially as a mom, we are always... Pr- 
thinking about our, our own needs as kind of last on the list. So when it comes to nutrition, there's a misconception that, that uh, focusing in on that piece can be more, you know, vain or indulgent when, when really it's fundamental to how we operate, our ability to, you know, function throughout the day, our health outcomes in order to be a better mother, caregiver, worker, professional, like whatever it is that, you know, you're trying to do with your day. Nutrition can um, have a big role in that. And so I think there's a lot of, you know, baggage around that feeling like you, um, you know, it's, it's too, indulgent, um, to, to think about that when really it's, it's fundamental. Um, and then I think the other piece is that there's another misconception that, um, you know, as long as you're eating, you know, I eat my vegetables throughout the day, so I'm kind of good to go. Um, but I think I fall into that. There, I mean, it's, you know, it's in part the the messages that we receive um, that, you know, there are certain, you know, simple things that we can think about. And sure, there's tons of benefits to, to focusing in on those veggies. Um, but there is um, a lot more complexity to the nutrition question, especially when we're thinking about things like, you know, nutrients for growing a baby or breastfeeding or physical recovery. Um, you know, you, you don't need a master's degree in nutrition for just thinking about vegetables, but I have a master's degree and we focus <laughs> on so much more in terms of the, the metabolism and the research that um, is behind the connection with nutrition and our health. And so I think sometimes there's uh, that, that oversimplicity is a dominant message, um, but also just, you know, not feeling like we're worthy enough to, to focus in on ourselves in this key aspect of our health. And so that's something that I hope um, will start to change. I think you just really, my mind just kind of went, wow, you hit something where you're saying like, I, I really am that person. Like I, I make sure I'm like, okay, I'm going to have my, make sure I have a couple carrots with lunch and dip it in some hummus. Great. Good. I'm done. And then I have some fruits and veg with breakfast. And we always have our kids have two vegetables a day. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, we did it. Um, we cut back on the sugar, but I think it really kind of opened my mind that I hadn't really considered like about the metabolism and some of the deeper aspects of nutrition. And I would suspect I'm not alone in that, that we kind of think like we, a lot of us op- oversimplify. So mm-hmm. this is, yeah. this is helpful to dive in and be like, there's a lot more to think about. Right. Yeah. And that's so true. Yeah. So, okay. Let's dive into knowing that there's a lot more about nutrition to think about. Let's talk about how does food and nutrition play a role in diastasis recti? Yeah. So several ways that, that nutrition can really influence diastasis recti. And I think, you know, to your point earlier, it's a connection that's often missed. Um, so much focus is on that, the physical therapy and the movement, which is really essential. Um, but nutrition can really, uh, complement that work that you're doing, um, in your exercise. Um, it, it's going to impact your, regaining fitness capabilities, um, and that, that strengthening piece. Um, and you know, it's, there, it's so much of a focus that, um, 
I you know created an entire program just focused on nutrition for diastasis recti with you know combining like the nutrition with um, modules from a physical therapist. So it really is something that um, is really uh, united there. Um, and so on the nutrition side of things, we want to focus in on how nutrition plays a role in first of all repairing tissues um, and strengthening the the connective tissue. But beyond just the tissues, we also want to think about the muscle strengthening because the the strength and function of other muscle um, components in your body uh, actually influence the abdominal region too. So it's not just thinking about, you know, your core muscles. It's also thinking about your legs and your pelvic floor and all, all of the, the body works together. And so making sure we're not just focusing in on isol in isolation on one aspect. Um, so nutrition is, is really helpful in that full body strengthening piece, making sure that we are thinking about how it connects with your workouts um, and how it is providing the building blocks for that, that repair and strengthening. Um, and then one other really important piece is um, thinking about, and I think we can get into this a little bit more in depth later, but the GI function of the body, if, you know, if you are someone who's experiencing a lot of bloating or sluggish digestion, a lot of constipation, that's going to make it really hard for you to, um, heal your diastasis and regain that, that core function because you are, you know, experiencing that pressure and it makes it, those exercises a lot harder. It can impact, you know, your nutrient absorption. So um, making sure that we are targeting that GI health is another really important thing we focus on with nutrition. That makes so much sense. Yeah, we can get to gut health in a little bit, but just the idea that, yeah, if you're constantly bloated and you have that internal pressure pushing against mm -hmm. what's already weakened connective tissue, it's not going to promote healing. You're going to keep having, almost like you're pregnant and you keep having that internal force going forward. That didn't even occur yes, to me. Absolutely. How much do you think that care providers and even some PTs take into consideration? Again, I've been doing this a while and, and I had diastasis after my first, I mean, after my second, cause it never really went away, um, until I fixed it in a different way, but nobody ever said, Hey Deb, what foods are you eating? Let's look at this. How's your hydration? Like it just was never a conversation amongst any, I had a midwife and an OB. I saw a couple of physical therapists. Do you think this is kind of newer thinking? I, I think so. I think we're seeing, you know, in every area of nutrition, I think as more research comes out um, and we see more of that connection, people are more interested in looking at the holistic picture. Um, and I think, you know, because we have specialists in all these different areas, like your, your OB and your physical therapist may be thinking, you know, of what they're trained in and thinking about it from, you know, the medical side of things or, you know, the muscular or skeletal side of things for the physical therapist. And so, you know, it, it makes sense that they, their mind wouldn't necessarily go to nutrients. Um, but, you know, if you do have, have someone with, 
uh, the, the connections, the health, um, professional like network and seeing all of us come together in a multidisciplinary approach. So just in so many other areas of health, and this is no exception. That's where we tend to see the best outcomes because we are looking at it from all angles. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. All right. So we're talking about the food nutrition roles for diastasis. Does this, are these nutritional considerations focused on pregnancy, postpartum, or both? So someone that's pregnant, are they thinking about the collagen and connective tissue, or is this more postpartum or again, is it both? Yeah. Um, so it, it can be both. Um, so a similar concept to, you know, athletes or marathon runners thinking about how you prepare for the, the big event, the game, the race, um, can make a difference in that recovery phase. And so when we're talking about healing diastasis and improving that function, um, in the core, that is really when we're, we're talking about the rehabilitation and the recovery, but going into the event of childbirth and delivery and postpartum with, you know, really full nutrient stores, having had a nutrient dense diet kind of leading into that, that is definitely only going to help your cause when we're then looking into um, supporting that strengthening process. Um, it, it's not something where we see, you know, being able to prevent a diastasis through nutrition by focusing on, you know, specific nutrients in, in pregnancy. There honestly has been research um, to, to say yes or no to that. Um, but I think, you know, it's certainly not going to hurt, um, your recovery. It could only help. Um, and then I think also that, you know, if we're, we're thinking about, um, the, the post, the post, uh, rehabilitation phase, then, um, making sure that it, when we're in postpartum, um, it can be harder to kind of in, initiate some of these changes. So if you have those building blocks that have been already set, some of those habits or strategies, then it can make that transition a little bit easier. Um, not to say that you can't make those changes afterwards, but, you know, prevention and, and giving yourself a longer time can, can be helpful as well. Yeah, I actually, I've reached out to many and I've interviewed many physical therapists. And for a while, people are like, oh, most people get diastasis, some people. And then I recently spoke with this woman, Diane Lee. She's, in my mind, kind of like one of the top experts about diastasis recti. And she was saying, like, everyone's going to get it into some manner because the abdominals have to expand to accommodate the belly. But the difference is, what is that quality of that connective tissue? So it sounds like what you're saying is if we put some of these building blocks in place, we're not necessarily going to uh, prevent the separation because that has to happen, but it could affect the quality of the muscle tissue on the rehab side. So that okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the dots connected. All right. So <laughs> what are some of the nutritional building blocks of tissue repair and muscle strengthening? Yeah. So really good question. And, um, there, there's so many elements to consider here. And, um, I would say that we can kind of think of it in, in a couple different ways. So there's going to be acute tissue repair. Um, and that is, you know, one really important aspect and especially, you know, early postpartum where we're thinking about other tissues, like not even in, in regards to, you know, the, the connective tissue of the abdominal region, but, you know, thinking about 
potential scar tissues and tears that may have occurred through delivery. Um, but also with that, that collagen synthesis and thinking about that. So, so some of the nutrients there are going to be, uh, protein, vitamin A, vitamin C, zinc, iron. There, there's a bunch of these micronutrients in addition to, um, the protein that are going to be really key for that acute tissue repair. Uh, and then when we're thinking about muscle strengthening, that is, um, a whole other category. And as you're building up stamina and starting to do some of these more, um, detailed, you know, workouts or movements, um, working with your physical therapist, engaging in some of these, you know, whether it's an exercise class or or one-on-one, um, coaching or whatnot to be thinking about how that nutrition is going to support your work there. Um, and so we're going to be considering things like meal spacing and timing and, you know, pre-workout and post-workout snacks or meals, and how to, how those can then optimize your muscle building goals. Oh, and, and the meal spacing. Can you talk more about that? That's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So, so that, you know, it, it, thinking of it in two ways. So one, um, the body can only absorb nutrients, you know, so many nutrients at a time. Um, so, you know, if you were saying I'm have this protein goal for the day and I'm going to try to have it all at this one meal, the body is not going to absorb all of that protein at that one sitting. There is a limit. Um, and so making sure that we're, we're spacing out those nutrients throughout the day, getting something like, you know, protein with every meal instead of you just have, you know, front loading it on one, one meal of the day. So making sure we're, we're spacing things out that way. Um, and then also when we're talking about, um, it, connecting it with your workouts, um, thinking about the timing both before the workout and then afterwards. And this also can vary in terms of how intense is your workout, what's the the duration going to look like. So, so this varies, but, um, there, there are in the research combinations of, you know, the macronutrients, protein, um, carbohydrates, and how we can, uh, incorporate that into your recovery and fueling plan, um, so that you are maximizing the muscle building and not, you know, having a lot more of that muscle breakdown occur after a more intensive workout, making sure you're giving your body that fuel in the right timing, um, so that you, um, can promote that, that muscle building. Oh gosh, I hadn't even thought about that. All right, but now I'm, I'm going to ask, we're going to take a quick break, but before I'm just giving you the question we're going for, think about, and I'm sure many people out there are like, okay, I want to have my, the right nutrition. I want to have this building blocks. And you talked about a lot of zinc and vitamin A and vitamin C, but let's get some specific foods so that those that are starting to organize in their mind, what should I eat? They're going to have some specific foods that they should add to their diet for the diastasis recti repair going to be right back. Okay. So you've got the very type A mindset like myself probably out there and they're like, okay, I'm going to do this. So what are the foods that they should be heading to the store and stocking up on? 
Absolutely. I know this is one of the biggest things we're like, okay, that's all great, like conceptual information, but what do I actually do with it? And, uh, (laughs) so (laughs) for that, um, you know, we, inside the, the course that I have, there's whole like sample meal plans and food lists, but right now we can kind of just think about, um, you know, let's keep things simple. And if you're starting from baseline, looking to make, you know, one small change to get you kind of closer to getting those building blocks, um, um, I'd recommend, like, let's start with that protein piece. Look at including a protein food source every single meal. Um, and with that, thinking about the whole range of protein. So, you know, it's not going to be just your your chicken and your beef. Those are great sources. You can definitely include those. But thinking broader, you can go to, you know, yogurt, cheese, beans, tofu, eggs, fish. Um, so thinking uh, into nuts and greens like quinoa, um, trying to, you know, diversify those protein sources. Um, and then beyond that, uh, in terms of trying to start to get to some of those micronutrients, getting at that vitamin A, vitamin C, starting to just think of the range of color of those fruits and veggies, getting that variety there too. And, um, so vitamin A, we tend to see in some of those orange hued foods or leafy greens, um, and vitamin C, of course, we often think of citrus, but also greens, um, broccoli, uh, also bell peppers and strawberries. So you, you can kind of start to get the, the picture that it is, they're present in many foods. Um, so, so starting just thinking about a protein source at every meal and getting some color in throughout the day is a really good way to start easing in, uh, to getting that range of building blocks. You'd mentioned zinc. Where does one get zinc Mm -hmm. in their diet besides a supplement? Yeah. So zinc, we think of, um, beef and meats. We also think of, uh, nuts and seeds. Oh, okay. Nuts um, and seeds. All right. I yeah. Beans as well. Yep. Um, so, so definitely also a range there. Shellfish is another, um, good source of zinc. Mm. <laughs> I love shellfish. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some shrimp. All right. <laughs> yep. All right. So let's talk about collagen because that is the one piece of information that keeps sticking in my head about diastasis repair. I just recently started doing a collagen powder every morning and I might be totally in my head, but I really feel like I see a difference in my skin and my nails are like crazy hard. So let's talk about what role that plays in diastasis repair. Yeah. So collagen can be, you know, a really great source of protein. Uh, and it's especially helpful because it has the amino acids, those building blocks of protein required for collagen synthesis in the body because it obviously is collagen. Um, so I think one of the things that's important to understand is that collagen, when we consume it, uh, in whether it's form of supplement or food, um, it's not absorbed into the body as intact collagen that gets, you know, shuttled right to the linea alba as collagen there. Um, so it, it really is like all foods, your body is going to digest it, break it down into those amino acids and absorb it. So you, you know, you eat the collagen and it's absorbed as those amino acids and they get used as needed throughout the body. So collagen has the amino acids 
uh, like glycine and proline that are required for that collagen matrix. Um, and so they're, they're present in varying amounts in different protein sources, but when you are having the collagen directly, um, then you are getting them in higher concentrations. And so, there's some research that suggests that in pregnancy, our need for that, that glycine especially um, increases requiring us to meet the higher needs through the diet. So in ordinary circumstances, um, usually your body is creating uh, those amino acids. And so they're, they're considered non-essential amino acids because our body can synthesize them. Um, but in times of increased need, and I think there's probably, uh, we could do a lot more research and, you know, what are the needs in um, postpartum and in different recovery stages, but um, at least in pregnancy there that we need to consume some through the diet to meet those higher needs. Um, and so that's where having some food sources can really be helpful um, in, in giving your body those collagen matrix building blocks, um, which is obviously um, really important for um, supporting that diastasis repair. So you're saying the foods and proteins. So is this just back to the list of different types of proteins, meats, fish, dairy, nuts, beans, or is collagen, I mean, like the supplement that I'm taking that powder, is that also okay? What are, what are the food sources someone can find collagen in? Yeah, so they are different. Um, so protein sources in general, like the ones we mentioned before, they will have those, they will have a, a range of amino acids. They vary slightly protein source to protein source, but collagen specifically, which has higher levels of those particular amino acids required for collagen synthesis, those are going to be like the supplements that you're consuming or bone broth or gelatin or the, the skin of meats or, you know, the cartilage around the bones. Um, so like a lot of the slow cooked meats that might be cooked in the bone might get some more of that collagen release. So it, it, it is different sources. And for a lot of people, they're not often having, you know, skins and cartilage and uh, bone broth or gelatin. And so something like the supplement is a much more convenient option. Um, and it can just be a really helpful way to get, you know, protein if you are having something like oatmeal or smoothie. And, you know, you can add collagen as your protein source for that meal um, and can be just a really convenient way to meet your needs as well. Yeah, I like the idea of that, like bone broth. And, um, I mean, I don't actually eat a ton of meat, but that's a great way to get it. Um, because I don't personally love the taste of collagen. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I just throw a scoop and in some warm water and chug it down. Is that not the most ideal way to, to do a supplement? Um, I mean, it's totally fine for like absorption purposes, but yeah, it might not be the tastiest. <laughs> um, so, I mean, some people have it in their coffee. Um, some people, you know, you can mix it into a smoothie or if you're having a soup, you could put some in there. It doesn't have to be like a sweet drink. Um, it could be into like something savory, anything that it could kind of dissolve right into. You can mix it right in. Maybe I'll try that because every day my husband's like, why do you do that? You look so unhappy. And I'm like, because it's good for me. All right. So maybe, <laughs> all right. So listeners out there, you don't have to be a martyr about your collagen. It sounds like there's many ways to either find it in other foods or, or supplements. All right. So how would you suggest someone eats to optimally fuel their workouts and recoveries? 
So we definitely want to individualize this. I know we touched a little bit on it earlier. So we want to be thinking about when you're, you're working out during the day. What is that intensity level? Where are you in your postpartum journey? So thinking about those individual factors. And if it is something like a more intense workout, then that's especially where we're thinking about that meal timing and fueling your workout, getting you a pre-workout snack that's going to give you the energy um, to, you know, complete that workout at your optimal level and then post-workout fueling, refueling. Um, so depending on the timing of when you're working out during the day, you know, that might be syncing up with one of your typical meals. Um, and so we might just be thinking about tweaking the composition of, you know, what is your, your lunch looking like or your dinner, or your breakfast. Um, or it could be adding in another snack if you happen to be working out, you know, at a different time point during the day. So those are some of the questions that we're, we're thinking about. And we're, we're usually playing around with the combinations of foods that are going to be optimal. So, you know, there are whole lists, uh, that, you know, I have different ideas of, of what, you know, ratios you might want to be thinking about, but, um, for, for muscle strengthening, especially we want to be considering, um, the, the post workout snack or meal, making sure we're having protein and carbs there for optimal muscle building. A lot of people, you know, there's so much focus on that protein, which as we discussed is really important, but they don't realize that carbs are also really critical for muscle strengthening. Um, and it, it's one of the key aspects that is going to, you know, turn off the signal to say, uh, you know, stop the muscle breakdown after a workout. Let's go into repair mode. Um, and so having those carbs at, after your workout is really important. Um, I'm so glad and then, you said about the carbs. Can okay, I just I, pop in to say that? Cause I feel yeah. like carbs have gotten a bad rap. I feel like everyone's like, I don't do carbs. I'm not going to do carbs. And then maybe this is, well, this is just a, a fad, a diet fad, but I think people are scared of carbs. I don't know if it's still the case, but I definitely get that sense. Am I wrong about that? You are not wrong at all. It is, it's a, if carbs, they deserve some hype because there is so much <laughs> bad press. <laughs> um, yeah. And they are so, so helpful for even things that we don't necessarily associate them with, like, you know, muscle strength and that carbs play a really huge role and we're going to get to gut health. Um, but their carbs are really important as well. Yeah. Carbs need a new PR rep because their, uh, their <laughs> image is a little tarnished. <laughs> For well, sure. well, let's go into that, the gut health. It feels like that is a really big part of healing diastasis recti. And I feel like people may not even know what that means, gut health. Yeah. So when we're talking gut health, um, we're thinking about the digestive system. We're thinking about, you know, the intestines and, um, that can, you know, at, at its most, uh, you know, elemental level here, we're talking about the, the microbiome, the bacteria balance that is naturally present in our, our gut and wanting to make sure that they are supported, that it's a diverse community, um, of microbiome, um, of bacteria there, um, in the microbiome and that they are getting the, the nutrients that they need to thrive because that balance feeds back into so much. And we're still learning so much about the, the gut, the microbiome and it's 
um, interaction and connection with pretty much every single system in the body, whether it's hormone balance and mood or immune function or recovery and, and physical healing. And so, you know, we, we learn more all the time, metabolism. Um, there's so many uh, points of connection with the gut. And so, uh, you know, thinking here in terms of repair, um, we want to be cultivating that, that diverse community of bacteria um, because it is helpful for nutrient absorption um, and also for that that physical aspect that we were mentioning. If if your body isn't functioning well in terms of digestion, if you aren't having a daily bowel movement, and if you are struggling with constipation and bloating and gas and having that increased pressure there, um, not only is it harder to do your, your strengthening workouts and have that, um, you know, work on that, that core function, then it, it, it also is cycling back to the nutrient absorption piece because, um, if, if we're not, uh, moving things through the, the digestive system or if things are moving through too fast, um, both of those can influence our ability to absorb the nutrients there. Um, and so it's kind of both of those things with the physical symptoms um, and also from a nutrient absorption perspective. And yeah, so so gut health is definitely a key piece to this. What foods, I keep thinking, when I think gut health, then maybe I'm off here. My brain often goes to acidophilus, um, but maybe I'm just, again, I, we've established I oversimplify uh, nutrition. Um, what, what foods um, would be promoting that? Like I keep thinking of, oh, what was the other one that my husband kept drinking? It was, um, oh, it was uh, some sort of, not... Oh, I can't remember it, but it sometimes tastes a little sparkly. Um, I think it was slightly alcoholic like, even. Uh, kombucha. kombucha. That's, that's it. That's a kombucha. Yeah. All right. So what's the deal with that <laughs> like gut health and kombucha and acidophilus? Why do I associate, like, is, is it common to associate that or is it just this weird yeah. tweak in my mind that I associate <laughs> that with gut health? Yeah. So you're thinking of probiotic sources. And so those oh, are definitely important. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Um, so you're, you're going to be thinking both in terms of like a supplement form of probiotics that, that can definitely play a role, um, or food sources like kombucha, yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, um, those fermented foods are going to help your body have that diverse um, array of bacteria. Um, and then we also want to be on the other side of things of nourishing the bacteria that are there. Um, and so those foods that we just talked about, those that's actually introducing the live cultures into your body. Um, but we also want to be thinking of, and here's where the carbs come into play. Um, the fiber is one of the key, you know, nutrients that the bacteria feeds on. Um, and it's really key to having, um, a variety of healthy, you know, balanced bacteria levels there to have those carbs, to have the fibers for the bacteria to feed off of. Um, so we want to be, you know, having, having that balance there too. 
All right. I feel a little bit better with like knowing the fact that I used to have a ton of that with the idea of like, can I, clearly I like, I check things off. I'm like, I had my veg, I had my probiotics, but it all has to kind of work together. <laughs> all right. So before yes. we start to move away from this topic, is there anything else I haven't asked that you want to highlight about, um, overall nutrition for, for diastasis recti? Um, we, I know, we've we, gone we went through a lot. A lot. I, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a connection. I mean, we can, we can find connections in so much. I think there's, there's a big connection with, with mood as well. Um, and so that's one that oftentimes we don't really think of at a top of mind, but you know, someone experiencing postpartum mood disorders, anxiety, depression, or even, you know, just generalized, um, stress of the day that can definitely have an impact on gut health. We see, um, the anxiety and, and stress kind of circle back that can affect the the levels of bacteria there um can you also you know frequently we'll see when we have mood changes um whether it's stress anxiety depression it can impact you'll see gi symptoms come up um some sometimes diarrhea constipation or um just like you know feeling a little bit like an irritable bowel um and that can influence again that nutrient absorption um it also can impact more of like the logistical practical things of you know whether you have an appetite or energy or motivation to do whether it's the physical therapy part of things or whether it's energy and motivation to make a meal. Um, so definitely not discounting the mental health piece, I think is really important. Mm, that is an amazing point that you made. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. What is one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? And let me also say that you have young kids. You have been pregnant yourself not that long ago. So it doesn't have to be just nutritional. It can be anything that you've learned along the way that you want to share. We'll be right back. Okay. We are back. I know I totally put you on the spot. So (laughs) what is your one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents? Yeah, I love this question. Um, so I think, uh, it'll all boil down to just trying to let go of some of the expectations, which I know is really hard. Um, we, it's, you know, it's almost impossible not to kind of have your vision about what pregnancy or postpartum, uh, you know, recovery, what that's going to look like. And it's especially hard because we have so many of these messages, um, whether it's conscious or subconscious that, um, you know, this should be something that we just bounce back from or, you know, what comparing it to someone else's experience. And so it's hard not to have those expectations, but it, it, you know, just to kind of bring back that, Every single journey is so different and we really want to kind of shift that, that mindset that recovery from pregnancy and childbirth and diastasis rectus, this is a long term process mm-hmm. and the body, we shouldn't expect it to just bounce back and, you know, erase all signs and symptoms of ever having had a child, um, both physically and mentally. And so just readjusting that, that mindset and trying to 
give yourself permission to figure out how to take care of your body where it is now and not saying, you know, I, I'm going to wait until, you know, this many months later until I've lost this amount of pounds or whatever it is that, you know, you're still trying to hold on to and, and pushing off taking your, care of yourself until you reach that goal, you know, try, try to let go of that and, you know, relieve some of that pressure and allow yourself to take care of your body where you are now. Um, because you know, I, you're worthy of that care right now. Um, and I just think, you know, more, more moms, we, we need to know that we deserve care and support no matter where we are in that journey. Oh, I really, really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I actually just put out recently a podcast, uh, talking about, they call it sitting the month. It is, um, a tradition in, uh, the Chinese culture. And I spoke with a traditional Chinese medicine uh, provider and they talked a lot about, taking that time without the pressure to kind of like what I often think of like bounce back this coming from a person who like 10 days after I have my first child tried to bounce back. And there's such value in what you said in that also that tradition of sitting the month of take it easy. Cause I feel like a lot of us put this pressure to just kind of turn the corner and be like, and we're back. Um, and they also interesting. I bet you'd be, you'd probably like that conversation. Cause they talk about bone broth and warmth, a lot of the same stuff that you'd mentioned. So thank you for reiterating mm-hmm. the need to slow down, give your body the time and grace to heal and not have such high expectations of ourselves. Thank you. That is so important. So where can people find your work? So I am on Instagram. I am postpartum nutritionist. You can find me there. And then also my website is thriveandbloomnutrition.com. And that's the name of my private practice. Um, and so, you know, if you want to you know, connect, if you feel like, you know, at this conversation felt like, you know, resonating with you at all, or need more support in any of these areas, happy to, to chat more about, you know, whether it's coaching or the postpartum rebuild course that I have about this subject, um, love to connect and, and talk further and continue the conversation. Wonderful. I will make sure all of that will be in the show notes so people can find you. This has been so wonderful. I'm so glad to have this chance to chat with you. It's an important topic, something that is really near and dear to me. Having had diastasis recti, it is just nice to know there are so many ways to support one's healing process. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you around the hood sometime. All right. Have a wonderful day. Yes. Can't wait. And thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.